This is the Game Dev Field Guide bonus episode number nine. Today's special guest, Yanny Boy. Ah, oh, whatever. We just try it, and then if the clap works, the clap works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. One more time. Okay. One, two, three. That was perfect on my end. I don't know about okay. yours. <laughs> definitely a second on mine. But if we mix it on your end, then that should be fine. Okay, I'll mix it on my end. So I'm joined here today with Yanny Boy, who is a longtime community member. Um, Yan, thanks for filling in on this last kind of second. I know I maybe even didn't even give you a day's notice, so thanks for jumping in with me. That's fine. Happy to help out. Uh, today, we're going to talk about... Uh, both of us getting our games up on Steam, we've kind of been going back and forth for the last, I don't know, couple of months maybe even because we are both putting a game on Steam or we both already have games on Steam. And uh, yeah, Yen's really been helpful to me, kind of giving me some tips about things I didn't even think about. And I thought it would be cool to have a little conversation so that maybe uh, the tips could be passed on to some of you guys. So the first thing I kind of wanted to talk about was Steam versus the other platforms that are out there. And kind of your thoughts, Yan, because I know you like to explore in other platforms. Um, you had mentioned ones like Game Jolt that I'm not really familiar with at all. Uh, so as far as like a process of uploading, do you have a favorite or what, what are the kind of things you look for in alternatives? So for me, this is whole this whole thing is a journey of discovery as well. Because, like you said, this is our first time uploading to Steam, and um, this is my first game release as well. So it's really just a matter of what are the options that are out there, and how do they compare, and what are they good at, and what are the pros and cons for using different platforms. So that's basically what I've been looking through and learning about. And I think Steam is like the industry standard, like. Yeah. Everybody talks about Steam. Everybody uses Steam. It's like the go-to. Um, and so right from the start, I knew that I wanted to upload to Steam, if nothing else, just to learn about the process of it so that with future game releases, I can, in advance of um, building my game and building out the ideas and things, I can already know about what are the tools that Steam gives me so that I can kind of plan those almost into the, the game you know, uh, pre-production phase. Right. Um, but then I thought, well, you know, there's other places as well, so why not have a look around and learn some more? Um, and I think the first one that people think of and maybe even miss in this situation is Itch, Itch.io. Because um, if you've ever done a game jam, chances are that was using Itch.io. And actually, as a platform goes, it is a really good platform. Um, then I've had other people tell me about Game Jolt and uh, Newgrounds and things like that. Um, and then also there's Humble Bundle as another alternative for distributing your game. And with all of these different platforms, I think it really comes down to what is your objective in distributing your game? Like, what are you trying to achieve? And what are your strengths and weaknesses? And how can different tools really help you like narrow down your focus for what you're trying to achieve? Yeah, I think you're exactly right. You pretty much have to be on Steam because it's an industry standard, like you said. It's where the market really is steam definitely dominates the market in terms of distribution i remember back in the day now that you mentioned like newgrounds there was an era where flash games on newgrounds and miniclip 
That was huge. That was how you distributed a lot of games. This is probably in the early days of Steam. Yeah, and you, it's funny because you mentioned the Flash game era. And if you go to Newgrounds today, there are no Flash games on there. Yeah. They still kind of talk about it, but like it still feels like that kind of a platform. It still really has that nostalgic feeling of, you know, you're just here to play some games. Like a lot of these platforms, like, you know, as a consumer, you are you've probably driven there from something else. Maybe you're looking through a sale. Maybe you're looking through the next AAA title. Maybe you look, you know, you're looking for something, but it's like that, you know, looking for something, maybe buying it then, maybe wishlisting it to buy it later. Like the feeling you get on Newgrounds is very much just like, I'm just here to play. And even when you click through to different games, like there's none of this, um, you know, read about the game first and then click a button to get the play to come up. It's like the very first thing you see is just the game starts. Yeah. And then maybe you scroll down and you read about it and everything. But it's just that kind of idea of like, this is just content. This is just people are putting content out there and you can just enjoy it and experience it. That's cool as like a low friction thing and almost like the opposite of steam where you're right it's about the meta and the strategy of like your screenshots your trailer your description the keywords you use which we i think are going to talk about later i kind of wanted to jump over to the idea that i always got and kind of i feel like the overall sentiment for the game dev community if we're just talking about the two big ones in my mind which are steam and itch.io in terms of what people have familiar Familiarity? Familiarity? Yeah. Familiarity with. Itch.io is built for game developers, and Steam is built for people who play games. Does that like kind of duality make sense to you? I hadn't thought of it in that kind of a way. Of th- I hadn't thought of it in that way before, but um, I think there's probably some truth to that. I feel like Steam is a platform where you it's almost like a central hub for all of your games. So it's kind of like a collecting place. for Your, your library is there. Basically, mo- if you're a gamer, most of the games you're going to play are going to be through Steam. Whereas I feel like Itch.io is almost more like a shop front for your game, where you can, it's almost, it's got this really pretty customized front page. It gives you lots of flexibility. It gives you ways of embedding your shop and you're selling a thing on other websites. It's kind of like you put your game on itch and then you sell it in another way. Whereas I feel like Steam is more of that complete package. And let's face it, Steam is really not a pretty place to advertise your game. No. (laughs) (laughs) I think some people put a lot of effort into like, you know, because you've got that big description box and people put like GIFs in there and like fancy titles and like trying to do something to brand their game. But it really doesn't work. It's always just that blue blocky, um, you know, all sorts of different links and sections. You can, not really that easy to navigate. But if you look through itch, like there's some people who really have really pretty game pages with like the the background on uh, the background banners and like the sides and like the colors and fonts. Like it, it is a lot just nicer to look at. So you can go to a page and you can instantly feel like, what is this game like? What's the art style? What's the kind of emotion behind it? Yeah, that's a really interesting idea. You almost, with itch, you have the tools to, uh, what's the right word? Like exert your creativity on the store page and not just the game. Yeah. And I think that's where it comes back into this whole idea of play to your strengths. Like if you're an artistic person and you can make really nice assets and emotive 
banners and things, then you should really consider itch because you can make a really attractive shop front for your game. And using itch, you can sell Steam keys. Yeah. And that is beneficial because, you know, Steam is doing all the hosting and, you know, playing of your game. And then you can actually sell your Steam keys on itch. And if you sell Steam keys on itch, then Steam doesn't actually even take a cut off the profits of that. So you get to keep like 100% of what you make on those sales. But it comes with the downside that you need to do your own marketing and you need to do your own pushing to itch. There's very little discoverability. There's very little likeliness that people are actually not just going to stumble over your game on itch. Like you need to get people to the store. There's a lot more friction involved with that too because you're right, people want um, to have all their like Steam games in one spot. And I know that you're selling a Steam key through itch, but still it just seems like it's a little bit extra friction that uh, in an era when you can have any kind of entertainment you want in like two clicks, uh, maybe three clicks, as dumb as that might sound, might just be a little bit too much for some people. Anyways, let's uh, move on to the next thing. And to be clear, uh, the Steam and Itch thing, I don't think is an either-or type situation. I think it's probably an and situation for most games. Do you agree with that? or I could be controversial and say it's an and for almost all of the platforms I've mentioned. Yeah. I mean, it's difficult being an indie dev because you've got to do all of the jobs. And there comes a point at which you can't do all of the things that you could be spending your time on. And with every single one of these platforms, sure, once you've, you know, uploaded to one, you'll be more comfortable with doing the whole process and you'll probably have your builds ready and all that side of things. But in terms of like marketing and image assets and description texts, like they are all different. So just because you've spent a couple of hours and you've custom made all of your pretty assets for all of the various dimensions that Steam requires, if you then go to Game Jolt, it won't be quite the same process and there'll be different resolutions and there'll be different image assets. So again, you've got to go through the whole process of filling in forms and typing in details and tagging and all of these things. Similarly, when it comes to like, well, we'll come to this, I'm sure later on, but when it comes to like platform integrations, like Steam has a lot of API tools, so does Game Jolt. And there's a lot of similarities, but, you know, to fully get the most out of a platform, you almost want to target your game for that specific platform. Having said that, you can pick and choose, I think. And I think a lot of the platforms like Newgrounds and Game Jolt, they're actually more targeted towards community-driven engagement. So I mentioned this before with um, Newgrounds, when you come to a page, like the first thing you see is like the game loads straight away and it just wants you to play the game. With Game Jolt, I get the feeling that it's much more about community because you come to a, a, a page and the very first thing you see is like developer posts and there's like, you know, GIFs and images and like updates. You see how many people are following the game. You can see like the comments people are leaving all of this in a much more visible and engaging way than you would get on Steam. Right. Like with Steam, I think I've probably used Steam for maybe 10 years or more as a as a consumer, but only recently did I find out that there's community sites to Steam where you can have <laughs> yeah. fan art and all of these things. And yeah. like people write, um, what are they? Like achievement guides and like wikis for your game and right. all this community-driven stuff. I had no idea. Yeah. It's hidden away. I've barely ever away used from the, the shop page. Tab. I've never used it, but I've seen other indie games who have a thriving community where they 
do these you know wiki guides and fan art and you know um fan fiction you know stuff and it is there and people want to engage with your game but on steam it's hidden away on game jolt it's like right in the forefront and so i've had friends tell me that game jolt is like the best place to launch a demo because it's got discoverability and it's got community and if your game is good and you make a good demo and people like it like word will spread in a way that it probably won't on steam yeah, that's cool. So, I I have never even considered Game Jolt till you mentioned it now, so I'll add that to the list of things that I need to uh learn about. <laughs> <laughs> but I think moving yeah. forward from now, I think it'll be most helpful to um talk about Steam the most because it's what most people are going to use. Uh so I kind of want to sure. talk about some strategy when building your Steam page and your game uh, Tower Offender is up on steam now right yeah okay so when you were putting the the page up did you was there like any strategies or overall thoughts you maybe thought about in terms of like where people's eyes are going uh the first thing you want them to see the first thing you want them to consider gotta be honest not at all yeah (laughs) (laughs) so i kind of just i kind of just thought um so playing to my strengths i'm not a super arty guy so I wanted to get a Steam page up to have a Steam page up, um, primarily so that there's something I can point people to to engage with my game. So when you're doing lots of marketing on Twitter, week in, week out, you want to be getting screenshots up there, like gameplay teasers, and Wishlist Wednesday is a really big deal. And I think Wishlists is one of the most important features on a Steam page for developers pre-release of their game. Because it's basically like the game equivalent of um, email lists for your business. Right. Like it's yeah. it's basically a collection of people who have at some point said, "I am interested in this game. I would potentially purchase this, and I would give you some money." And if you don't have a Steam page, you can't build that list. Right. And if your game is going to take you a year to make, you don't want to spend a year working on the game, getting it finished, then launching a Steam page, and then have no one to sell it to. You want to get that Steam page up as soon as possible so that you can start building a wish list and start, you know, you know, finding yeah. those people that might be interested in your game. I see where you're going. So you're saying you got a Steam page up quickly so that you have a place where all your other marketing efforts, you have a place to point them and start building those wish lists rather than maybe a finalized Steam page that's optimized in terms of like where people are going to look, where they're the information they want. Um, stuff for sure. stuff yeah. like that. The reason I keep bringing that up is because I watched a lot of content from this guy, Chris Zukowski. Have you ever heard of him? I have not. He's an indie game. Uh, I think he's a marketer, but he did a really good GDC talk where he watched people buy games on Steam for like something crazy, like 10,000 hours of footage or something. <laughs> and uh, they did like a meta analysis to figure out how people navigate the Steam page Uh, like store page and he said the very first thing that people look for is the genre of the game and they try to contextualize it comparing it to games that they have already played Mm -hmm. so the very first thing you should communicate on your store page is the genre and maybe like the hook of the game and where they find that is in the screenshots and the description at the top right and the trailer everything else on Mm -hmm. the page other than the reviews 
the whole like about this about the game section almost nobody even reads it and so his advice was to you don't start with like story you don't start with even a cinematic trailer a lot of people don't even watch the trailer they click through it and watch it at like two seconds at a time because they're trying to figure out what the genre is and if they can compare it to any games they've played he he mentioned that the other best way to do this is by using the tag system on steam i don't know if you Mm -hmm. yet so just for anyone who doesn't know um you can tag your game on steam and it's things like kind of starts with higher tags like action or puzzle and then it gets more more and more um into subgenres but when you put those in those tags tell steam what your game is like compared to other games so for instance my game bounce shot i put in action puzzle and the comparative games are portal right and that's good because that's the game i wanted my game to be influenced by And he says that's the second most important thing because everyone is trying to contextualize uh, your game if they don't know what it is, compare it to games they have already played and know. So one of the the biggest things when you're doing your Steam page is making sure your tags are resulting in games that are similar to your game, which is funny because I used to not believe in that. I used to, you know how like when you tell someone about a game, you say, oh, it's like this game, but with a twist or something like that. Yeah, it's like Zelda on motorbikes. Yeah, exactly. I was told once that that's actually not a good way because you don't know if the person doesn't like the game you're comparing it to. And that was mm-hmm. that was kind of like the conventional wisdom. But the more I think about it, um, if they don't like the game you're comparing it to, then the game's probably not going to be for them anyways. So, Yeah, why would they like Zelda? <laughs> yeah, so you might as well. You might as well. And if they say, oh, yeah, I hate Zelda, well, then, you know... I guess you can just move on. That person's a crazy person, by the way, if they hate (laughs) (laughs) But uh, anyways, that's just a a really long-winded justification for me asking you questions about if you were considering where people's eyes were going. But uh, just to conclude it real quick, the description of the game in the top right and the screenshots, your number one priority is to communicate the genre and the twist of the game. And then secondly, you want to make sure your tags are making games that are similar to yours pop up in the similar games section yeah and i think you probably could do a whole podcast episode just on what makes a good steam trailer yeah oh <laughs> man trailers are a whole another thing and i actually thought it was really interesting what that chris Sikowski guy mentioned uh most people don't watch the trailer on steam and they just click through it really fast to find the gameplay Mm-hmm. But if you're making a trailer for some place like Twitter or like how you said, how you're marketing outside and trying to point people to your Steam page, I think then the cinematic trailer kind of suspenseful thing uh, is much more effective outside of Steam. I think that you're right. The The trailer, you, you contextualize the trailer to where you are going to be promoting it. I think if your trailer is going directly on Steam, and I think you're right and that people don't watch trailers or at least they don't watch trailers for long. I think that two-second rule, it literally has to be the page loads, the trailer starts, and if you haven't instantly got your hook visible in gameplay on the trailer, you've probably wasted an opportunity. Yeah. If you start with like a company logo that never has heard, no one's ever heard of, and then like a really slow cinematic opening it, that doesn't show the gameplay... Exactly, it's, yeah. It's, it's too late. People have moved on. Let's move on to the next topic I have. And these are sort of a few key things that you want to get on Steam before you launch. 
these are just kind of hidden numbers that I've heard. Same from this Chris Zukowski guy. Um, are you familiar with the 10,000 wish lists like algorithm boost? I am not, but 10,000 wish lists sounds like a pretty good place to be. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I think they did some kind of, uh, again, meta analysis on sort of the data, and they, f- they figured out a hidden value that around 10,000 wish lists is where Steam, something in their algorithm changes about your game where your visibility is exponentially increased. And I know 10,000 wish lists mm-hmm. sounds like a lot. Once you get there, you get more than 10,000 wish lists worth of visibility, if that makes sense. Mm. Sure, that makes sense, yeah. So that's kind of a key thing. And to be honest, that's that's pretty tough, 10,000 wish lists, I think. What do you think? I'd say so. i say that's pretty that. It depends on lots of things, I guess. But I think it is, there's something about critical mass where once people start talking about your game, it becomes easier because yeah. the more people are talking about it, the more people are interested, the more people hear about it. So getting a good buzz going about your game would make that a lot easier. But that is, it does sound quite aspirational. Like it does sound like a lot, like I can, sh- I'm happy to share my numbers. Like I post about my game most wishlist Wednesdays and I get like five or six wishlists a week. Yeah, I'm so. I'm the exact same way. Other than the initial surge I got from announcing it on the podcast, um, mm. and I've only done one Wishlist Wednesday, yeah, I'm, I'm in the same boat. And so to build up 10,000 would be pretty uh, hard. But then again, like you said, maybe I should be putting more efforts into getting to that critical mass and generating buzz outside of Steam. I think a lot of people, and I don't have the numbers on how successful it is, but I think a lot of people, they get the gameplay footage and like demos out early and then they find content creators who are in their kind of niche market, whether that's platforming or FPS or something like that. And they go and they basically find people who have audiences that that match the kind of people that you're looking for on your game. And then you, you get big boosts like that. Um, if you're lucky. Are you reading my notes, Yen? Um, <laughs> <That's, laughs> that was my exact strategy I was about to say. <laughs> now you don't have to. <laughs> I thought I was special, but maybe not. <laughs> anyway, some other um, hidden sort of metrics that really help, and this one's a lot more achievable. Uh, he also mentioned 10 reviews. All you need mm-hmm. is 10 reviews, and that has some kind of exponential effect, supposedly on your visibility through the algorithm. Now, 10 reviews, I think that's a lot more doable for pretty much every indie dev. I know my my personal plan for 10 reviews is, well, first, I want to build a community through beta testing around my game. And, uh, you know, right now, I think I have like 60 or 70 so signed up for the beta. I'm sure out of those 70 people, I can get 10 to post a review on the launch day. And that's just now. I'm, I'm sure people keep signing up. That kind of leads me into the next thing, which is I think the most important thing for your early Steam game uh, while you're in this pre-launch sort of uh, time is building a community because you want to have that surge on launch day. You don't want to wait and expect a surge or because it's just not going to happen. I guess um, do you have a, a similar, do you agree with the community building or do you have a different strategy? Yeah. 100%, especially for indie devs. Like, no one is going to market your game for you. 
Right. Like no one is going to tell the world that your game exists. Right. Steam isn't going to do that. Game Jolt isn't going to do that. Like no one is going to do that. It is you. You, the indie dev, are the only person who you can rely on to get the word out there. And you need to build a following. You need to build people who are interested in your game. You need to talk to your people. You need to get feedback from your people. It's all down to you. And the earlier you start, the more likely it is that you'll have somebody's buying your game when you launch yeah and that that's why i think the best way to do that is to do it through like a beta testing program uh where you have a vertical slice of your game like a complete slice of your game where you can start building people like you said maybe um content creators and speedrunners and stuff like that that's why i think it's so important to get a vertical slice like ready to go for your game and get it demoed as soon as possible not to mention all the other like the feedback you're going to get that helps you improve the game it's just a really good idea yeah i agree the last kind of topic i had to bring up with respect to steam is the pricing of your project it's an extremely difficult question it varies a ton by who you are where where you live where the people who are buying your game lives um do you have any like conventional wisdom you've heard about pricing your game so i think the best place to start would be again just look at other games that you're trying to emulate other games that you feel like you're providing the same quality the state the same amount of gameplay the same kind of replayability value um, and just find out where you fit in the landscape of video games and see what people can charge at that price point and it, it probably won't be as much as you'd like <laughs> but once you found that kind of base rate of what you think your game is worth and what you think people are willing to pay for it i think the next thing you want to do is you want to localize your pricing and steam actually will do a pretty good job of doing that for you so when you kind of put your base price in it will then kind of convert that into lots of different currencies. I think it even adjusts slightly based on affordability in different countries and that sort of thing. And I think that's a good place to start. But like you said, it's really important that you actually know where your gameplay communities are going to be. And this doesn't just tie into localized pricing. This also ties into localization. Like if you're going to do any translating of your game into other languages, it's really useful to first of all find out who's actually going to be playing your game um, which markets are interested where are your fans at because if you for example have lots of brazilian fans then you know translating your game into brazilian portuguese is going to mean that tons and tons of people are going to buy your game just because you translated it into that language and i know we're not talking about um localizing for um, different languages in this episode but that kind of ties into pricing as well like again with brazil as your example like the average household income in brazil is vastly lower than the average household income in the us so if you're charging comparable prices then people aren't going to buy your game because they're going to be paying the equivalent of hundreds of dollars for a game that you're selling to people for five dollars in the us and so you can then find out by talking again to your community hey, what's a good price that you can afford and that people in your position can afford to pay in your country? And then you can localize that price for people in that country. Yeah, I'm super glad you actually brought that up. You're the one who taught me that, or at least mentioned the idea to about localizing the price and how just smart that is. 
And uh, I think you actually brought that up on like a Friday uh, when we all get together on Fridays and talk on the community <laughs> discord. So that's a quick segue to a plug for our community discord. I'll leave a uh, open invite link in the show notes, but Yanny boy, if you ever see him in the uh, voice channels, go jump in there and talk to him and he'll drop some nuggets of information for you. But yeah, I, I think localizing the price is a super good strategy because you're opening the door to basically a bigger market and it's less competitive because how many people are going to localize for like a place of like Brazil, for instance, it kind of helps you stand out a little bit more because as I've talked about before, you're up against lots and lots of other indie games and every day it's more and more and the quality just keeps increasing. So yeah, uh, I don't have any more topics listed in my notes. Yan, was there anything that you wanted to um, have a discussion about? Um, yeah. Uh, so one thing that I've been learning about Steam is it's really good and really useful to just um, make yourself acquainted with all of the different services and features that it provides. Because Steam is actually more than just a distributor for your game they actually prop you up and support you in your game in lots and lots of different ways. So they have tools for um, leaderboards, which means you don't have to build your own leaderboard service. They have tools for in-game achievements where like, people will play your game several times just to track down all of the different achievements that you've created. And similarly with leaderboards, they just kind of increase the replayability of your game. And they take your game from being something that someone plays once from start to finish to something that people play again and again in order to compete and you know, beat their friends yeah. and other things like that. So actually, by looking at all the different features that Steam provides, you can tailor your game to the platform and make it more than it would be if it was just you on your own. Yeah. Um, it's actually super... I thought it was pretty intuitive. I'm not a, a classically trained code guy, but it, it was pretty easy for me to implement the uh, Steam APIs and stuff and like get a leaderboard set up and I'm working on the achievements now. And you're absolutely right. Like a leaderboard manager, for instance, uh, usually would have taken me a, a little bit, like maybe a day's worth of work to do and it wouldn't have been very secure and, you know, you got to worry about like the amount of storage you have. But uh, through Steam, it's it was super simple. And what a leaderboard adds to your game is so much replayability that it, the cost to benefit ratio using like one of Steam's APIs is way way more. You're right. Steam has all sorts of like really cool things that come with their API that are super useful and something I probably need to explore some more. Are there any other APIs or extra features that? come with steam that you've been like kind of eyeing so i mean one of the ones that gets overlooked a lot is save data the idea that you can play the same game on different machines and it just remembers where you're up to which is just quality of life for the player yeah um and i almost feel like that that's such a common expectation that if your game didn't have that people would be annoyed yeah um it's just something we just come to expect from video games or another one that i find almost entertaining is the whole trading card system <laughs> yeah. like i never in a million years planned on using trading cards for my video games 
but there are some people who are really big into really trading cards. Really big into trading cards. And I've got so many trading cards that I've never even looked through. I went through the other day and I just thought, oh, I'm just going to sell some of these. I made almost a dollar yeah. just by you know selling four or five trading cards. And I was just like, what? <laughs> and it was quick. Like yeah. I just put them up and like the money was in my account straight away. Like people, you know, do buy and sell trading cards. And if it's literally just a matter of you creating... 10 or 20 sprites of different characters or different things in your game and you just put them out there it's minimal effort but some players are going to really appreciate that there was a whole era actually of steam i remember where asset flipped uh games if you don't know what an asset flipped game is it's a game where someone might take like assets off the unity asset store like just default stuff throw together a game and it's super unpolished and quick and anyways there was tons and tons of asset store flips basically for the trading cards. The value <laughs> the value was in the trading cards. And so they'd put up any just absolute junk games and they would make a lot of money or at least enough money to make the time worth it through the trading cards. Yeah, <laughs> is, I think that, that, that gave Unity a really bad reputation for a while. Yeah, it did. And it's why the whole <laughs> system has changed. I think it switched to Greenlight for a little bit. And now we're back onto Steam Direct. But uh, yeah, I always thought that was really interesting. In short, you should probably have some trading cards <laughs> with your game. I mean, what's the worst that could happen? Yeah, you're right. But I also agree with what you said earlier. Like the barrier of entry is so low, especially if you're using like an engine like Godot or Unity or Unreal. Chances are someone's already built the integration library for the Steam API. Yeah. So literally all you have to do is chuck, you know, import a project that you need to do anyway to upload to Steam. And then, you know, a couple of lines of code and you're you're winning. Like, yeah, it's really not that hard. And actually from the Steam side of things, like there's some pretty cool stuff with the achievements that you, you don't even have to do half the work yourself. Like some achievements are basically just like... um oh, you, you beat this level or you found this hidden item or something, at which point you and your game have to say, okay, this event just happened, unlock the achievement, move on with my life. But some other things, you can do some really fun stuff, like, you know, you've died a hundred times in this game and a little message pops up saying, how bad are you at this game? Yeah. Why are you still playing? <laughs> and you don't actually have to track yourself how often someone dies. All you do is you tell Steam every time someone dies they aggregate it and in the back end of steam you say okay so when this score gets to 100 send this notification yeah that's really cool they make it really easy for you so definitely worth thinking about yeah absolutely well i guess that's everything i had uh for today yan do you have any last minute words of wisdom no i think that's that's a good amount to process all right well cool thanks for uh jumping in and uh joining me on this emergency session i think you did a great job maybe this needs to be like a reoccurring like once or twice a year or depending on how many times the guest schedule gets mixed up <laughs> but uh yeah it was great having you again cool thanks for having me and there you have it that was a good conversation with yanny boy about getting our games up on steam and maybe some of the strategies involved and different platforms Big thanks to Yanni for coming on to the show. It was kind of a last second thing. And yeah, I don't usually like to do live interviews because I think information kind of gets lost somewhat. But I don't know. I thought that was pretty good. So maybe we'll have 
Yan on again at some point in the future. But uh, yeah, you guys will have to let me know what you think about that. The best way to do that would be to tweet me at on Twitter at underscore Zeccavelli underscore or come over to our community Discord and we can talk about it there. Me and Yanny Boy are both pretty much active in that. I am at least every single day and Yan's every other day at least. So yeah, that's a really good place to talk. Lastly, I just wanted to thank the patrons. This third episode a month is sponsored by them. And I know this one came a little bit late. This was November's third episode. But uh, yeah, thanks to the patrons for their generous donations to the show. If you'd like to become a patron, I'll leave a link to our Patreon in the show notes. You get to vote on an episode topic every month. You get to suggest topics. You get a special role in the Discord. And yeah, it's just genuinely the best way to support the show. With that, I think I'm going to end it. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you on the next episode of the Game Dev Field Guide.